Ladies and gents, boys and girls, children of all ages. It's your boy, Mr. Funkadelic Jones, the one that's always doing the most. Keeping the cut close because I ain't got <laughs> It's your boy, Aaron Fornicetti, and we laughing because this man got a hat on. So every black guy who wearing a hat. You know what that means, man. Hey, listen, I'm I'm good. I just want to rock a hat for the show. Hey, look, That's look. What, what's that, the White Sox? Yeah, you know. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you, know you know, my team, the Nats, because, you know, I'm from uh-huh. the DMV. But, you know, this this a black hat. You know, I feel all easy-ish. I need my shades out right, there. Right, right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Real Gs, man. Real Gs. And for people who wonder what's going on in my background, hey, Alan Navison, the answer. Go it's his ahead. birthday today. Go ahead, like shout out, shout the boy out. Listen, Georgetown. Growing up, like my team is the Mavericks, but my favorite player growing up was Allen Iverson. Though Kobe, my dude, Allen Iverson just was my favorite player growing up. I'm gonna just keep it like that. Man, <laughs> I tell you, man, coming coming up in like the early 2000s, a lot of us who watching the show, y'all around our age, there was so much talk about Allen Iverson. Everybody trying to do the crossover when they shoot the uh, paper in the trash. And it's just one of those things to where the answer was right there. Every commercial, every TV show, every, he was everywhere. He, he was a star, huge in the 2000s, early 2000s. I put it like this. This man changed the game so much because of the simple fact that this man legit paved the way for cats to, to rock tattoos. For all that fashion y'all see in the NBA now, my man Al Novison paved the way for that. But hey, I'm supposed to be the podcast dude, but we ain't here talking about practice. <laughs> 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 we talking about practice. Nah, man, not a this... podcast. Not a podcast. We talking about practice. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, Mr. Reebok himself. Exactly, bro. This man, he got 10 more years to go. Man, he almost did. He almost did. He almost did with that, that money with his Reeboks, man. He almost 20, did. 20, 30. Hold on. You you got 10 more years, man. You with it, man. You're going to be multi-millionaire. Just don't blow your money. Though, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Just look. Look, and then the, uh, the divorce situation. Man. Yeah. yeah. Look, look, imagine got away until 55 and then just half go out the window. It's like, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just hold on to your money though, AI. Like hold on yeah. to your money. Yeah, like, it, it's it was like in the 30 mils, like 32, 33 million dollars. Look, just hold on to the money. You're going to be 55. After 55, you got a couple more years left to live, man. Just hold on to the money. You can't blow it. How you wanna blow 30 something million dollars around 55? What are you gonna do? I'm going to say it like this, though. I know one thing before we get started on our show. Iverson, when you reach 55, cut your damn braids. <laughs> Don't be like Coolio, man. Cut your damn braids. Like, AI, like, I know your cornrows are your signature remark, but, hey, Ludacris did it. A lot of kids had to do it. Cut your damn braids, bro. And look, just... when you get to a certain age, it, it just, you get to a certain age, it just got to go. I'm, I'm saying, man. I'm saying. Oh, I want I want to say before we get started into the show, I want to say uh, we were going to go see my sister because you know 
she got a new uh, member. So shout out to my sister. She had a new little bun. She got a new little baby bundle of joy. And upon going to see her, we got stuck in traffic because coming on the other side where we was trying to cross over to was a Black Lives Matter rally. And they were driving down the street. And it was, we were there for like 10 minutes, just sitting there, you know, putting a fist up. <laughs> you know. I'm with y'all, but can y'all slide over though? I mean, <laughs> like, like I, I I respected it. You know, it was cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the, here's the thing. We got stuck at the very beginning. So just when we got to the intersection, right? If we would have crossed over, we would have been fine. But we got caught at the very beginning. It was timing. That's what it was. It was timing. So if we would have came a little bit earlier, we would have got stuck. And for me, I'm all with it, you know, put my fist in the air and honk and whatnot. But I'm like, I'm trying to go. <laughs> trying, trying to get somewhere right quick, yeah. though. So I ain't trying to mess with the movement. Yeah. I'm all for it. But guys, like. I'm with it. Just like slide that way a little bit. Something. I'm with it. Like, like I didn't mind. But you know, I do mind at the same time because I got place to be. You know, I want to exactly yo. That's it. Want to go see the family members. So we enough of that. We're gonna go get here into this uh, podcast, and today we're going to talk about. Let's talk about gentrification, man. It's it's the topic. It's what's going on now. A lot of you people know, seen in the news, Mary Bowser. What was it? Was it New York Avenue or sixteen hundred? Um, I think Pennsylvania Avenue is the back way. It was a 16th Street. Talking about the Black Lives Matter on the side, on the street. That was yeah. Because I know the uh, Trump, the White House. It's there's a front way in the back way. It's uh, Pennsylvania, and I think it was on the. I think it was on the back way. Yeah. Yeah. And they uh, renewed uh, the back way. Black Lives Matter. Black Black Lives Matter Plaza. Plaza. Okay. So they painted the street. I kind of want to go. <laughs> I kind of want to go. Like they just painted the whole street Black Lives Matter. And a lot of people were uh, giving praise to Miriam Bowser for doing that. Miriam Bowser for doing that. But she was met with some criticism. A lot of people weren't feeling it. A lot of people were pulling a the card. They were sitting here. They were saying, okay, this is nice. You know, the razzle dazzle is fancy and we love the charades you're doing. But you're a part of the gentrification gentrification that's going on. So we see it all around DC. We see it all around Maryland. I don't know about Virginia. I'm not Virginia a lot. But as far as gentrification and what you know and your experience with it, I want to hear from your side of view, your point of view. Now before I really get into my side of view, again, like with Muriel Bowser, we appreciate you know, you putting Black Lives Matter on the sidewalk, but let's keep it all the way real. Muriel Bowser ain't always been the most loving mayor in D.C. Like, people don't really <laughs> like Muriel Bowser for real. Like, because Muriel Bowser been, Muriel Bowser been trying to low-key get motherfuckers up out of there, though. She been low-key like, look, we about to try to get them up out of there. I'm trying to bring, I'm just about this. If they ain't about this, they got to go on the other side of town. But gentrification it, it 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 has its good and it has its bad. You know what I mean? It it definitely do has its good and its bad. But the only thing about gentrification that that throws people off sometimes is it, it the culture impact that 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 comes with it. Because again, 
I can't speak for every state. I can't speak for every city, but I can speak for the DMV. Now, if you never been to the D, everybody knew DC was always known as Chocolate City. That's what everybody known DC as. But when you drive through DC now, the only thing chocolate about DC is Southeast <laughs> and Southwest, and maybe the other side of Northwest on Georgia Avenue, close to like close to like Montgomery County. That's that's because again, like you 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 see like you see the culture in DC now. It's just like what happened to the Ben's Chili Bowl? They closing down like Horse and Dickie's little fish spot. It's like the co the culture the culture of a city is kind of like, damn man they they really kicking they really kicking us out of here. They really trying to get us up out of here because we just don't cut it no more. Right. Or they got they got some type of plan that. It's just like, well, hey, you know, and, and this is why I always tell people money talks. Money always talk. Money always going to win at the end of the day. If if their money is better than ours, they're going to they gonna take their money. They're going to be like, what you want? Like, you want, like, penthouse, penthouse hotels that cost super bread that we know they can't afford? All right, cool. Let's start building that so, they, so we can get them up out of here. Instead of just like, all right, well, you know, let's – Let's keep the little chicken jump right here on the corner because it's like it's a landmark in the neighborhood. Nah, we don't care about that no more. We need to build these skyscraper, these skyscraper hotels, these skyscraper apartments for the for the people that actually got money. So that's my biggest thing before I kick it over to you is is it's is the culture value of it. <laughs> yeah, I want I want to say that, and there's this funny thing amongst black people and i'm sure other minorities have their things too but we usually have this funny thing where we say if you see a white person jogging in the neighborhood you know it's coming yeah, yeah. change you, is coming you know it's coming and i remember overhearing it because this was back in 2005 uh before i moved to maryland so i remember chocolate city i'm sure you remember and then i saw white person jogging so i was thinking back to what this guy said and i was like oh i didn't think anything of it but then i start seeing the environmental impact of that and i start seeing a lot of buildings change uh, around the old way it was this building called the fisher school and mm -hmm. what happened it was featured on extreme makeover tv show and they built that so all of us we were like okay that's cool that's nice because the neighborhood it was very run down, to be honest. Like it was a third world, other side of the world type rundown. But if you've been in a black neighborhood, it was kind of like that. You you know what I mean. So yeah. it went from that, the Fisher School, and then they start building a, a community center. And it was like, oh, that's nice. That's cool. Okay, community center. And then they fixed uh, the middle school I used to go to, Roper Ron Brown. And then they turned it into this new campus. And they fixed that. It was like, okay, 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 this is cool. And then we start catching on to what was going on. Like, you're fixing this, you're fixing that, you fix this. And then they fixed my elementary school. So it was like, okay, with all this fixing, we were waiting for the size to come. And the size were white people moving in. Mm -hmm. So after they start fixing the buildings the centers and all this stuff and certain you know mom and pop shops that were 
around the neighborhood start changing up again, new ownership. We started to see, you know, a little by little white people coming in and on my street, not my street, but my grandmother's street, they start fixing houses. And you look on the neighborhood, they start fixing houses. And the house that I used to live in, they start fixing a whole bunch of houses, like half of the streets uh, that were next door and up and down the streets are all fixed up. All of them fixed up. So what gentrification really showed me was that they fixed up all this stuff, but it wasn't really for us. It was for other people. So it was one of those things to where it's like, how can we make sure that we put ourselves in a position to where we can benefit from gentrification? See, now my thing is, and when you look at movies like Barbershop, the second jump, when they was um when the the, the gentrification was really going on, mm-hmm. that is like a perfect example right there. Now again, all change is not bad. Yeah, you know some neighborhoods just need a a makeover. Some neighborhoods need a little TLC, but when you come in and kick the whole neighborhood out, like you you taking the culture with it. You know what I'm saying? Like again, I, I can't I can't speak for I can't speak for a lot of because again I'm pretty sure in California, you know, LA is is probably mixed. It's probably a little bit black, it's a little bit of white. But when you look at DC, DC is a it's a tourist spot. You know, a lot of people come to the nation's capital because of the simple fact of the museums, the White House. Well, not anymore, but <laughs> not anymore, but you know, <laughs> And the most popular thing, like for for locals like myself and my man Aaron, like DC is like is that's where like the nightlife is. That's where the mostly like the clubs, the lounge. That's a place to be because you know we live we live on the outskirts of of, of DC, which is basically just the county neighborhoods. But DC is mostly is is you they they change D, they change DC because basically they they trying to send us a message like look. You can spend your money here. You can still shop here. You can still work here. Whatever. You're just not gonna live here. You you're not. And and it, it it hurts. It hurts that this is why. Like this is why I always say like you know we need to like we need to worry about our own communities anyway because again we go into these na- we go into these these white neighborhoods we breaking our pockets. With, at these white these white neighborhoods, you know, yeah, we we don't have decent malls around here. Our malls our malls hasn't been upgraded since I was probably like nine years old. Our malls are still ran down. So where do we gotta go? Across the bridge, a thirty five minute drive up the road, an hour and a half drive, just to go into more of a a predominantly white neighborhood, just because they got better stores, they got better stuff out. There. So, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just more focused on the culture part of gentrification. Like, why lose, the, like, upgrade the neighborhood, but why lose the neighborhood? Like, why change, why change the, why change the culture? I get, I, I get the upgrade part, but why change the culture of it? Like, why just come in and just do a whole sweep and just get everybody out of there? I'm, that's the part that just confused me personally. And uh, I don't know if you've been on A Street uh, recently, but no, not recently. 
Yeah, but you can see it slowly creep up. You can slowly see it slowly creep up the gentrification because what would happen, the A Street was predominantly black businesses. And mm. then all of a sudden you start seeing new business, the the um they fixed they fixed the dance center and then they start fixing mom and pop shops and they insert clubs and bars and stuff like that start creeping up creeping up and more stores and more stores start coming up my whole thing was that's nice you know but it's as long as it's an inclusive thing to where it's, you're not looking at you know the people who live there all their life like what are you doing here that's that's the part that um that's the part right there. And I also want to say a couple, I think a year or two ago, it was this thing where how university uh, gentrification, they start uh, having an issue with the locals who was moving there. And the locals who moved there were basically walking their dogs on the lawn. Cause you know, college kids, they sit on the lawn, you know, do their thing. Mm -hmm. And they weren't cleaning up after themselves. So basically the students were like, hey, get your dog, clean up out the dog. And some guy said, hey, if you don't like it, move or get out of here. And people were like, I go to school here slash live here. You move here from wherever else, you go. And that's where the fight that um, happened, when was it, not too long ago, I think it was a year ago, where they was trying to keep Gogo in DC because people who moved here from somewhere else were complaining that Gogo was too loud. And that's the biggest part of DC. Gogo is the heart and soul of DC. and they were basically trying to shut DC up and the people weren't having, they put up a fight. So I think in that aspect of gentrification, we don't want it, you know, we don't want it if it's going to hinder the growth. And on top of that, on top of those two things, you have the third thing, which is what you were saying about the high rise. The yeah, high, like the high rise, the uh, high rise apartments and all that. Yeah, the people who live in DC can't even afford them. So it's like, why are you building them in the first place when the people you're building them for can't even afford them? Because I, I did some research and they said the average salary it takes to live in D.C. is around 120K. I don't know too many people making 120K. <laughs> that's, that's, some, that's, some, that's some Georgetown. That's some Georgetown cash, man. Right. It, I, I, I don't know. So. But see, and I'm glad he I'm glad he brought up the go-go thing too. I'm I'm glad see it's it's hard it's hard with gentrification because you you can look at like I don't know, I'm just throwing out names. You can have like a a, a big Moe's barbershop on the corner or something like that. He's been in the neighborhood cutting hair probably for like 40 years. Yeah. And can you imagine somebody coming up to him and say you got two choices? If you're gonna take this buyout or you just going, you going, your 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 barbershop going to just be tore down, and you walking out empty-handed. So uh, uh, absolutely. Can you imagine somebody got to go through that? Somebody approaching you like you got two choices: take this money, or you or you or you leave empty-handed because we're changing up the neighborhood. And it's just like little stuff like like people like that. You can have like the you can have like the 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 big mogul barbershop. You can have. I don't know, Big Mama's uh, uh, beauty salon on the corner as well. They being forced out neighborhood. They've been there for years. Yeah. They was there since the 60s. This is the 70s. You know, their daughters got the shop now. Or they, their granddaughters got the shop. 
So the culture thing behind it is just like, it's like being forced out of, just being forced out of where you grew up, where your mm-hmm. business been at. Your business been there since the riots and all that. And you telling me I got I got two choices. I got to either leave or I got to leave with the money that you want to pay me or I got to leave with nothing. Yeah. And he would go and he would go go like don't like white folks don't get it don't don't get it twisted. You you guys come in here saying we don't like go go. It's just like you're new here. You're new here. You don't like it. Get used to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're new here. So you you coming in saying we don't like Go-Go. We looking at you like Go-Go has been around here for, for, since before you got here. That's like going down to Texas. And <laughs> before I like, got here. Before we got here. That's like before we even got here. <laughs> like Go-Go's around in like the, the late 60s and the, in the early 70s. And I'm just like, y'all want to come in and say, no, we don't want to listen to that no more. What? That's like going to Texas and telling them they can't they can't listen to chopped and screwed music no more. That's where it, that's where it's from. You man, tell about no. Chuck, no, Chuck Brown wouldn't be happy with this, man. I was like, can you imagine like Chuck Brown just sitting back like, y'all don't want to listen to Go Go no more? What? Right. <laughs> like, do y'all not know how important Go Go is around here? You can go to Capital One Arena. You can go to National Park. You can go to FedEx Field. Which is in PG County, but it's still basically DC at the end of the day. Go Go is played at every sports venue here in the area. So how can you want to say like, oh, we don't want to listen to that no more? That's like a pillar. That's a pillar. That's music. That's that's the the heart and soul around here. Right. So if you you don't want to change that up, like I don't like every. Like that's like going to like New Orleans with their little bounce beat sound. That's like going into Memphis with their jazz music sound and saying, "Oh, we don't want to listen to jazz no more around here." What? <laughs> we we rather listen to like we rather listen to like bluegrass or country or or opera around here. This is gonna be an opera city now. What? <laughs> it, so, it's it's funny. It's funny because it's like you look at uh, DC and GoGo and its relevance. DC, uh, go go to DC is like celebrities to Hollywood, celebrities to Los Angeles. It's it's hand in hand. It's peanut butter and jelly. You can't get one without the other. So if you move to an area where you know, it's like it's like going to Montana and saying, oh, I don't like the fact that it's a cold, it's a little bit cold around here and it's too many trees. What do you expect? Or you go to Canada, deep in Canada around Ottawa. It's a lot of moose around here. I don't like it. It's very cold. Did you not research the area before you got here? And do, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm just I'm I'm just thinking about something. But you, I'm gonna let you finish first before before I go ahead and chime back in this one. The way you look at it with DC and PG County is DC was so chocolate city around the 70s, 80s, 90s. Coming up, right. And then that's when you also looked at PG County was at once upon a time predominantly white. So what you have was people moving back and forth. And the way I kind of see it is, you know how we chop down trees and you start seeing deer everywhere and other Mm -hmm. wildlife. It's kind of like that. You chop down our trees and then like us being deer, we move somewhere else. And then we find new trees and new wildlife to settle in and then you track those down and it creates a cycle of we don't really have anywhere to go 
So, so the, the one, the people with power have the money and the people with money have the power. So basically what that's saying is the people who are in control can tell everybody else what to do. They can make us move back and forth. And I don't know if you noticed this lately, but have you noticed uh, got stuff in the mail uh, for a lot of people who are homeowners and people who have seen signs going around, they were like, oh, we'll buy your house. Seeing those see kind, of, I see them jump sometimes. It, it it's been a rise in that because they're trying to gentrify the area, they're trying to buy the area, and the cycling is continuing. And I just I remember uh, a while back when I was in the back of a lift, and the guy was looking around. He's like, "How much is area?" And I gave him an off ball number because you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I gave him an off ball area because I'm like, "Nah, man, nah," and couple of neighbors you know they took the money they did they fixed up houses a couple people moved in you know and then they start looking at us like we ain't been living here <laughs> for years so it's kind of like you know if you're going to be a part of gentrification you better take what comes with it the people the music the culture everything that comes with it and i'm saying like so like different food like e- even with just like Culture is a big thing to everything, you know what I mean? To say, like, to go down to go down to Louisiana and say, we don't want, we don't, ugh, y'all eat gumbo? Mm-hmm. We don't want that no more. Like, we don't eat that stuff around here. And I know a lot of people, you know, if you've never been to D.C. or you've never been to the DMV, just like Gogo's a big thing to us, mumbo sauce is a big thing to us. Now, I get Mary Bowser says she don't like mumbo sauce. All right, cool. We don't like you anyway, but <laughs> we don't like you that much anyway. But you know, she's you know, she's not really my mayor. You know, I gotta deal with oh mayor Hogan over here. <laughs> she's uh, she not, not my, my problem, but she's she's still technically a little bit my problem to deal with, but that's just like mumbo sauce. I know a lot of people it, if you've been if you you from the area, we don't use ketchup around here. Like ketchup is like what, what the heck is ketchup? We use mumbo sauce around here. Chicken fries, a lot of things. Obey sauce, everything. A lot of places, that's like you coming in and say, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and get rid of that Obey sauce. Obey, we don't know what that is. Obey wings and all that. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and kick that out. We 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 about to start building straight smoothie and salad bars around here. We're going to be yeah, like, yeah, what? We're like what? Yo, yoga studios. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's the, like that. the whole culture is gone after that. Like, you take everything, you, you're literally basically taking the whole heart of the city and say, it's gone. Bye bye, vomitos. It's like, damn. <laughs> I know people at uh, not just the DMV, but I've been hearing through the grapevine people from Oakland and Bay Area, and even people from New York, different areas in New York, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where, where else? Brooklyn, uh, Staten Island. No, not Most, Staten any, Island. Any, any, any area of Brooklyn. Well, it, any mostly like hood area, like yeah, New York kind of hood area. They that's the area. They Queens, talk. Queens, and all that. Yeah, they trying. Yeah, to, they trying to force y'all out, mm-hmm. and they trying to bring somebody else in. You know. Yeah, but you know it, it. It's the same thing. You look through the United States. It's the same thing. You know, DMV, California, New York, wherever else, uh, uh Louisiana. Some parts of Florida, mm-hmm. 
it's it's the same thing. Gentrification is is a cycle, and I think for us, it's not something that we should deal with. It's something that we should be able to have a say in, you know. And for us to have a say in that is making sure we really maintain our resources, you know, like how we fought for Gugo here. We, you know, we and people from different areas got to fight for their areas too. Facts. That's big facts right there. All right. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to transition to our next topic that also follows up with this topic and it's called black tax. And for people who don't know what black tax means, it's basically the fact that your money goes two ways, right? Instead of the traditional way where you make your money, right? Mm -hmm. You go to school, get a job, make your living. Your money goes one way and that's towards your family or towards you. But when it comes to black tax, your money goes two, three, four, five ways. Your money goes towards your future family, towards mom and dad, towards cousin, uncle, nephew, and whoever else. So with the approach to black money, right? There's Mm -hmm. a saying with us where it's like, if you're a millionaire, you're not a millionaire. Which means that if you become a millionaire after taxes, and after black tax, you don't really have anything because you're taking care of so many people that you don't really have much left to yourself. So I want to get your opinion on the whole black tax thing. See, when when you think about black tax and when you gotta once you finish paying off when you finish paying off when you finish paying off your regular taxes, you know, your business and all, then you gotta start trickling down moms, cousins, dad, aunties, uncles. See, this is where a lot of people get caught up at, and this might sound wrong coming from me, but once you once you make see, and it's and it's, I can't speak, I, I can only speak with black people because we're the only ones that really do this. Once one of us make it, here comes everybody else feel like like we owe them all of a sudden. You gonna give me this? You gonna give me that? You gonna give me this? You gonna give me that? Hey, fund my business, sign me here, do this, do this, and you got some black people that get caught up in that, bro struggling already it's like every dollar they make goes into that black tax like you know you gotta get mom's house you gotta make sure mom's good that's okay that's cool you got your kids gotta make sure your kids straight but it's, it's them it's them cousins that you don't talk to that uncle that probably ripped you off them aunts that that, that never showed up to your birthday you only see them like once every four or five years they come out the woodworks and then people start getting caught up in the all right, I gotta pay them, and then you got then you, it's always been family members that hold it hold hold it over your head. It's like, remember I used to babysit you when I was like when you was like four years old. I, I watched yeah. you, so, you know what I mean. So now you feel like you owe them, and it's just like you get so caught up in that that your money's gone. And it's mm-hmm. not even just family. It's not even just family. Sometimes we get caught up in that black tax with with our entourage, with our people. Cause yeah. sometimes, sometimes you hang around the wrong people that you want to like. Yeah, like I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you be the uh, the podcast publicist. I'm gonna have you be the podcast social media guy. I'm gonna have you do this. I'm gonna have you do this. So by the time if the podcast reach a certain level, after me and Aaron pay, we pay what we gotta pay. Now is we gotta pay this person. We gotta pay this dude. We got to pay this girl right here. We got to pay this person. This person came up. This person, like, 
Like our man might might hit us up because oh this started in my house, so I think I should get royalties for the name and stuff like that. So and then then you get caught up in a whole loop of just a whole bunch of I owe you, you owe me. Remember I did this for you. That's the part that we gotta like. You 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 got we gotta separate that though. But I'm gonna get your perspective on it though. Um, I'm a I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, and I want to follow up with a question. So the whole thing about black tax. It's something that goes back into how we're raised and mm. our knowledge about money. You see a lot of black people around us, you know, mm. aren't that financially savvy, aren't financially literate. So when you're not financially literate, you're not financially sound, you fall into the trap of black tax. And when you're not trying to break that cycle, it continues and it goes on and on and on until someone comes along and say, hey, I'm not with this. I'm not with the black tax. I'm gonna make my money, but my money is only moving forward, not back, diagonal, cross, side to side, horizontal, vertical. It's just moving forward. So it's for me, it's for my family, and I'm gonna have my family push the money forward towards generational wealth. And it's the mindset of selfishness, right? Mm -hmm. To where what you were saying about how other people jump in out of nowhere, people look at you as if you're selfish, you know, oh, you got all this money, you ain't trying to share, and yeah. they hold it over your head. When in reality, it's not that, it's self-preservation. And honestly, there's a blurred line between selfishness and self-preservation. Self-preservation it's basically, I understand you have things you want and things you want me to do, but I have to take care of myself first. Selfishness is basically, I have all this money and I have enough to give for you, but I'm just not going to do it because it's all about me. And with a lot of us in a black community, it's a matter of generosity, but there's too much generosity. There's an over generosity that, act, that also factors into the black tax. It's not just uh, it's like what you were saying with the entourage, the over-generosity. We're trying to split money all these different ways in a situation where it's like getting mom a house, getting mom a car, because you see a lot of rapper stories and a lot of sports athlete stories where the moms are single. Yeah, most of the time. Most of the time, the mom's single, not a dad in the house. So mm. the one paycheck and mom doesn't really have a job to where she makes great money. So she's getting by, and now you buy out a house and you buy all these things. So answering that question, I want to ask you this question. Which, what do you think could be a resolution to black tax? Like if you were in a position, right, where you had millions and millions of dollars, what do you think would be the way we can move forward and erase the black tax? I mean, it's not going to be an easy way just to erase the black tax. Like, it's just not going to go away that simple because, again, people feel when people feel like they owe, like you owe them, that's how mm -hmm. people hold mindset. They stuck in their mindset. So mm -hmm. you just got to have, you just got to have a heart. You're going to piss a few people off. A lot of people going to hate you for it, but you just got to learn to be like, I can't keep, I can't keep helping you. I can't keep giving you money. You can't keep running me every time. Every time, like every time you need something, you run to me. You, right. You, I, I can't. I can't be that person. I'm not that dude. I'm not your bank. 
right. I, I, I make bank, but I'm not your bank. I'm not you ACM. Know, you know, it, again, family members are going to hate you for it. You know, they're going to hate you for it. They're going to talk trash about you. They're not going to probably invite you to a lot of things. But, but again, this is one thing I always say is just like, people that talk trash about you the most be the main ones still had a hand in your pocket. You know, they'll talk trash about you all day long. It can be family too. They talk trash about you, but yet they always, we need you to contribute to this. We need you to contribute to that. Nah. Nah. Y'all got it. Y'all then then that's when it comes to the whole, oh, you being selfish, but just like you saying, oh, oh, you being selfish now. So the the resolution is just it's just you gotta take that heat that's gonna come with it. That's just mm-hmm. my whole whole perspective on that. You just gonna you gonna piss people off because people gonna be like, oh you Oh, you feel like you selfish. Like, if that's how I feel, if, if you want to view me as selfish because I don't want to give you money for every little stupid project you got or every event that you want to throw, then that's then I will be that bad guy. I'm gonna mm-hmm. just keep it real. I will be that bad dude. Yeah. So- and at the end of the day, that's basically what it is. You said everything. When it comes to getting rid of black tax like you're never going to get rid of it entirely but you can end it where you stand so it's one of those things to where you have to be the bad guy that's the only way you can stop it if you are so concerned with opinions and not being invited to this and not being invited to that then you're always going to be stuck in that cycle of giving 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 and then you're going to look at yourself and say hey i don't have anything else and then the people you gave to are like, what you looking at me for? I don't got it. So in that sense, it's about self-preservation. Going back to that self-preservation, you have to say, okay, this isn't in my budget. I tank take care of everybody. It doesn't matter if I have millions or billions and things like that. And the billions topic is for another day. We can talk about that. But mm-hmm. It's one of those things to where it's like, I have this much to my name. I want to do this with it. I want to start a business. I want to invest. I want to uh, buy some property. I want to do that. And everyone's looking to you to buy them a car and buy them a house and buy them this and that. Go buy that you know, stuff that you want. Forget about them. Because you should never spend money on things that you wouldn't buy yourself. Right. So if you want to get yourself, don't give for other people. Now, it's if you crazy. want, go ahead. And I'm going to let you finish because now I think about it. I, I got a, an example that's going to probably hurt somebody, but I'm going to let you go ahead and finish that though. And because this just this example of that black tax, mm-hmm. it, it just happened to me not too long ago though. Basically, what I was saying was, you know, if you're not going to buy for yourself, don't buy for other people because at the end of the day, your bank account has your name on it. It's not you and their name, and it's not a joint account. So that's basically me finishing up what I had to say. See, and and before we, I guess before we move on to our next topic, mm-hmm. and again, the prime example of this black tax, this black tax, I just had somebody, you know, somebody I knew for a while. We we may not be as close as we once were, but again, they hit me up just out of the blue. They hit me out of the blue and just was like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm fake checking on you. But at the same time, I'm here 
to ask you for a favor. I need, I'm here to, to, I need you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that, I noticed that with, and see, this is why, this is why, like, I get, me being the person I am, I want to see a lot of, I want to see Black Flores or whatever it is that they do. But when you come to me out the blue, I need a favor. I need this. I need that. This is why, like, for me, in my 20s now, I'm a villain. It's just call it what it is. I'm not a superhero no more. If you're not, if you're not, uh, if you're not like a close, if you're not a super close, if you're not a super close, if you're not in my immediate circle, I'm gonna just say that. If you're not in my immediate circle, I'm the bad guy. I'm a villain. That's fine. I will be Thanos in this situation mm-hmm. and snap away these problems. That's just me. But they came, they came to me and asked me, just, I need you to do something for me. I need you to help me do this. And then they try to spin it around, say, well, we can build this together. I'm like, you came to me asking me for yeah. help. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't propose an idea. You, you asked me, you came to me for help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, and, 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 and it all, it, it falls back to the, we was once, we was once close. We was once cool. We was once like, because like, oh, I, I, like remember, we still cool. Right. So, I can come to you about these things. No, no, <laughs> you can't. So, and now again, they sit back and they see like, well, I see you got your podcast going. It, it, like, let me let me make sure I'm still secure, so when it blow up, you can still help me up along the way. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and what you said goes back to the saying of. Watch how people react when you tell them no. If you're used yeah. to telling them yes, watch how they react when you tell them no. Oh, because, they it, because it tells you what kind of person you are. You have two types of people. You have people where you tell them no, and they're like, okay, cool, no problem. You know, I'm still here for you. We still cool. We're not. And you have people like, oh, no. What you what you mean, no? You you always say yes. No? You told me no? I can't believe yeah. it. Yeah. And, I've, I've had that experience, you know, with a family member where I, you know, I'm used to saying yes, because honestly, I have no problem helping. I, I had no problem. I got no problem helping within reason. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things to where I was going out with friends, you know, we were hanging out and they asked me for a favor because they were going out somewhere and me I already made plans. So I said, hey, I can't do it. So they basically were like oh and you could hear the silence on the phone they were like oh oh Oh, okay and i'm like yeah i'm going out i'm going to go hang out with some friends they were like oh well i'm i'm taking it back because you usually say yes and for me i had to kind of pause because they were older family members so i kind of had to like you know you 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 can't really say what you want to say but you got to be like i um look so basically i just sat there and i was like look well yeah i'm going out with family members and sorry i can't help you this time you can't really say what you want to say you gotta be respectful so it's like all right this is it and it was like okay well i guess i'll tell you later and it's like okay can, i'll see you later you can hear the disappointment in their voice like i guess, yeah. you, I guess i'll talk to you later then you can hear the disappointment in their voice like dang mm-hmm. you can't come through for me that's crazy like all yeah. i did for them and like he tell me no. It's like that's how they feel. Like they feel like soon you tell them no, 
Just listen to the disappointment in their voice. They be like, mm. "Oh, that's like you ever tell them, like you you help like you help a girl out, and then just all of a sudden you be like, nah. All you get is okay. That's how you know she's pissed. Soon as you get that, okay. And that and that's the thing with a lot of people. You know, a lot of people. You have to somewhere along the line, like you said about being a villain. Uh, it's not so much being a villain in that occasion. But it's just basically putting your foot down and letting them know, hey, I have a life too. I have a life of my own and I have things I want to do. So it's just one of those things to where it's like, I understand you want me to help you, but this instant, I'm not available. Mm-hmm. I got things to do. And you hear people, like you said, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. That's why in the instance of this, you have to make sure they're able to be self-reliant because too many people take advantage of that help that you're giving them. Oh, facts. And look oh, at it and look at it as you're their maid or you're the butler, or you're the servant, or this is something you're supposed to do, or this is an obligation to those people when in reality it's not. Every favor mm-hmm. isn't owed. You know, I don't owe you. This isn't something I was put on this earth to do to yes master, no master. You see what I'm saying? It's just like I'm here to help, but I'm not here to be your, be at your every beck and call. That's not what I'm here to do. I want y'all to listen to what that man just said. Right? I want y'all to listen to what that man just said. I don't owe you nothing out here. We ain't out here to serve. No, we ain't out here to serve y'all. Like we don't gotta be like we don't gotta be at your feet every time you call. I'm supposed to. Yep. Yeah. We ain't here for all that. Yeah, I want. I want to close. I want to. I want to end my piece. And if you want to say something else about it, you can. I want to end this piece. Uh, end my piece with this. You have to develop self-reliance. You have to give them hints, and then tell them, "Hey, I want you to get self-reliance." Because what eventually happens is they come with you with big favors, which you're more ob- which you're more obliged to do because it's like all right this is big it's probably take more than one person and then the favors get smaller and smaller to where they're uh hitting you up or they're asking you for stuff that they could have done themselves or they could have looked up or it's so small it's like why didn't you just do this it's basically in the degree of smallness it's like hitting you up to push a button on the tv right that's how small the degrees get so it's one of those things to where it's like, at that point, you have to develop self-reliance. Cause let's say you wanted to move out of state or somewhere around the world and people start freaking out. They're like, oh my gosh, you're moving. Why are you moving? Cause I want to move to this place. I think it's a great place. I might want to start family there. Oh no, but what about me? And then in that instance, you hear what they said. What about me? It was never about you. It was about be trying to get somebody to do everything I need. And it goes back to that obligation thing. So when you sit here and you tell me what about me, it shows the selfishness that you had in every attempt for me to help. Help was never help. Help was trying to get me to do everything you want. So once I threaten to take that away from you, i.e. moving away and starting a life somewhere else, you're scared because you don't have anyone else to be at your beck and call. So at the end of the day, with those people, I want to say, if you want to move, do it. <laughs> see, do it. I'm a see. He he went the opposite direction. He went from 
uh, the big favors to stuff that they can do for themselves. Me, I'm about yeah. to flip. I'm about to go from the small favors, and he like he basically he basically went from big favors to small, basically making it about them. It mm-hmm. always been about them. Now I'm about to flip it and go from small favors to big favors to the point where now it's all about beneficial. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because yeah. now it's just like small favors can be anything like like oh well I just need to borrow can I can I just borrow fifteen dollars? You might got it, and it's not gonna hurt your pockets. You're like all right, cool, fifteen dollars turn into thirty. 30, oh, turn to 80, man. 80, turn into 120. 120, yeah. man, this might this might be a stretch, but I need about $300. Yeah. And again, now it's, it's all it's beneficial for them. Now it's just like they coming to you, big, like big ideas like that. Once they don't need you no more, just like just like how he said, it was just, well, what about me? Now is when that happened, like just like my process that I'm going over, now it's I got everything I need from you, I'm out. I got everything I need from you now. Oh, that happens. I'm gone. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I say, like, and even like you look at both scales from his point of view and my point of view, you gotta be careful with that because that's why I said you gotta like you gotta just learn and cut some stuff off because when you get caught up in it, it can it can even be it's gonna be bad. It's, it's a lose lose situation. Yeah, it's, it's always it's gonna no be a winner. lose-lose situation at the end of the road, though. That's all. That's all. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak my piece about it. But basically, uh, to wrap that whole thing up, when it comes to black tax, you have to put your foot down, and you have to. You don't have to be a bad guy, but if you want to be a bad guy. Just let people know, hey, this is my show, right? I'm the one helping. I'm the one doing things. So who is in charge? Me. Who calls the shots? Me. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's as simple as that. So for our last topic, we've seen everything that's going on around the internet with support black businesses and everyone's being so pro-black and it's definitely good to see. So it brought into my mind of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street, 1921, yeah. I believe. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember just thinking one day, if it didn't get burned down, if nothing happened to a wheel flourishing, what would Black Wall Street look like today? So what do you think it would look like today? Do you if think it, it would? If it still was in Oklahoma or somewhere else? No, like, do you think it would just still be in Oklahoma, or do you oh, think no. it would have spread oh, oh. across states? Oh no, it's been that would have spread all over the place because again, if that if Black Wall Street was still was still around to this day, even though it was in Oklahoma, it could have probably it would have probably spread in the South first, and then probably start making its way to the East Coast, the West Coast. It probably made its way then up the middle to Kansas and all that. So. Yeah. But black if Black Wall Street was still around to this day, understand this, like they had a problem if they had a problem with it back then, they would damn sure have a problem with it now because they don't like this, they don't like to see black businesses. They don't like to see black like a black like a black strip, a black they don't like to see stuff like that flourish because understand. If it ain't their capital, 
they feel some kind of way. They take that like, oh, we not in control of this? We got to shut this down or we got to get them up out of here because we can't have all this black wealth on this street. We can't have all this black wealth in the neighborhood. We can't have that. We can't have black dollars around here. Mm-hmm. If we not getting the cut of the action, we can't have this around. So if if if, if Tulsa, if that black Wall Street was still around to this day, oh, best believe if it's not, if it's not, if it wasn't no, if it wasn't like Bush and all them before, and you look at it like an asshole president we got now in Trump, oh Trump would have made did his best, he would did his best due diligence that went down there and tear that Joan up. He would have went down, he would have found some kind of way to say, hey, this city is racist, like this right here. Like he would have did, he would have did something to just like to point out the fact that just like, you know what? So this is not right. This is not right. There's no white, there's no white on this street. We need to have white to, to bring the color. He was saying something stupid and something real racist just to make just to make Black Wall Street look like it was is their like like it's their fault because they're flourishing and he's not a part of it. Right. So my my take on it is it wouldn't exist. Black Wall Street can't exist in America. It would never happen. Not even a 2.0. 3.0, 4.0. And people might say, oh, how you say, but we can, do you, are you blind? Read the room, like how everybody says online. Read the room. Do you not see what's going on in America? The black dollar, if it's not circulating in a white man's world, is a threat. Black dollar to black businesses ain't going to cut around here. So if you sit here and you really think it can happen. I don't know if you're delusional, but if you want to play hypotheticals, sure, it could happen. But in reality, the real world where we're in, it's not going to happen. Because even if it gets close to 2.0, the same thing going to happen. They're going to send some people in to infiltrate. Something's going to happen. They might frame a couple people. They're going to end up burning down. And then we build a 3.0. They're going to build that down. 4.0. They're going to build one that down and it's going to be a cycle of okay we keep building it up and they keep breaking it down it's like jenga we build it up like imagine jenga right you you build the tower and then somebody keep coming along and knocking it down eventually you're going to get tired of building so basically we can have it on a surface level but we're only going to have it as big as they want us to have it to where we can you know, have our amount of money and our amount of circulation, our amount of businesses, just so as long as the white business is on top of that. And we're making, we, I'm saying white business, are making more money, significantly more money than a black dollar. We have to show these black people that our businesses are worth more. So not only from an economic level, but from a psychological level. That's why you see people who are riding, they will Mm -hmm. buy Montclair, uh, Jimmy Choo and all these name brand white-owned businesses for what? Because they psychologically made it to where white business is the business, right? And I want to uh, say something else that I've seen online with the boycott business. Did you, I don't know if you've seen it or not. No, I, I've been seeing people, different ones, though. Yeah, where because I'm going to ask you a question about this. What they were saying, they was going to boycott a whole bunch of business, and most of them were fast food companies and mm-hmm. a lot of these 
name brands, do you think people are actually going to follow up with that? No. No. Reason why, reason why they're not going to follow it because not too many blacks support black businesses for them to even want to boycott these things in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, most of us don't own something, something, some black business like t-shirts or some black business uh, joggers or sweats or something like that. So that can't, that can't happen. That, that, that's when, when, and, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get to that later, but nah, I don't, nah, that, that can't happen, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, you got a Nike shirt on right now. Exactly. So if it were to be a thing and it's like, you have a black owned company, right? That were on the level. The reason why people buy Nike is because of the legacy that's behind it. Right. Basic economics and marketing tells you that the legacy behind the company is why people buy. Companies being around for 40, 50, 60 years is like, well, my grandfather and his dad and my dad and I buy from them. So it's a family thing. It's entwined into people's lives. That's why people keep buying. So people are not likely to be the first guinea pig or to be the first people to hop on a brand. People want to wait till other people wearing it, quote unquote, influencers, to where it's like, mm -hmm. hey guys, it's all right. It's actually a cool brand. And then they start doing it. Yeah. So with black businesses trying to get off the ground to be those kind of things, do you think black business has a chance on the level? Like I know what we said about you know, black and white businesses. So taking in that in account, do you think they actually have a chance for a longevity game? I want to say, yeah, I mm -hmm. do. Because you got to think in the way the world is now, like back then it wasn't, it wasn't so much of, it wasn't so much, it wasn't so much like a, a social media. People mm -hmm. don't understand like social media it, it plays a big part in a lot of things, actually. You know, like he said, like the influencers. But understand this: if you would have, if you would have made a, a black business anywhere, all it takes was one guy in the neighborhood to just wear it, or all it takes was one guy from the neighborhood to wear it. But then mm -hmm. people just be like, "Yo, th that's dope!" Like they're like, "Yo, where you get that joke from?" Like where, like, where you buying that from? You know, like, you look at me, like, the, the Support Black College t-shirts. I think they're Jonas in, in Georgia. Shout out to them. Mm -hmm. All it takes is, again, you got me. I'm an average dude. But yet, you got you got cats on Wild and Out. You got WNBA players. You got cats like Chris Paul. These guys got a bigger platform than I do. So, yeah. again, that got, that got people thinking, like, I mean, I might want to. I might want to buy one now. I mean, because of the simple fact that again, it's social media. It reaches a lot of people. A lot of people are like, yo, where'd you get that from? Drop it. All you gotta drop the link. Boom. Service level right there. I'm sure they got. A, I'm sure they got a. They got a store down there in Georgia somewhere. So it already made it off from being just some online thing. Now they got an actual shop. So they made it to the service level. Now, are they going to expand? And be in different cities, I don't know. But yeah, black business can flourish because again, a lot of because again, you look at the youth, you look at different people, like they they walk, they walk with other people sometimes. They they walk, they walk with like, oh, 
My favorite rapper got on this shirt and this black on. That's a flock of people. If you got if you got the most popular rapper and the popular singer, if you got Beyonce and you got Jay-Z rocking a black-owned business, shirt, their gear, you know how much business that's gonna bring in just by itself because Jay-Z and Beyonce wearing it. And that's because it's social media, and it, it, it's all about social media too, and it's it's about marketing. Like they mark they marketing, like marketing is a big thing nowadays too. Like marketing is crazy. I'm just saying, but black business, y'all keep doing y'all thing, though. And, and, you know, I know I got to speak my piece. I got a heavier piece after this, but I'm going to let my man go ahead and put his spin on it. I'm going to alley hoop it to him. Don't step on nobody. Don't step over <laughs> nobody. Though. I mean, you see who behind me. You know, step <laughs> over something. <laughs> I mean, you know I got to do it. And I want, I want to follow what you said. I definitely think it can happen. And somebody might listen to the podcast and might say, oh, what about Rihanna? Rihanna's owned by LVMH. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, for people who don't know. Uh, we're not talking about that. We talk about, hey, Black person, founded, start, grown, pass it to another Black person, carried on, and that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Black pipeline of business. I do think it happens. I do think it can happen on this condition, we need more black influencers. We need more black front runners. We need more black people to take a chance and say, hey guys, it's okay to support. This isn't Nike, this isn't a Reebok, this isn't Adidas, this isn't Under Armour. This is us, it's okay to support. And we need more people, going back to what I said uh, last episode, we need to remove that ego of, oh, I have a line too, and this should be me. No, bro. One of us wins, all of us wins. That's mm -hmm. what they had. That's the mindset they had back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It wasn't about this person, this person, this person competition. It's about if this person has the baton and they're ahead four miles ahead of us, keep running and pass the baton. Don't run and then try to run by and pass the baton. You can build yours and support another person, it doesn't hurt. It's not going to hurt you. I don't like to say, now it's, it's time to get real heavy, and I want everybody to, to, to really listen to what I'm about to say, right? Help them understand. I need y'all to help me understand. But <laughs> I, real, I was about to get real powerful real quick. A lot of people say this online, and it's true, and I'm going to say it right here on the podcast. Black folks, Understand this, you guys are the prize. I'm gonna say that one more again. Black folks, you guys are the prize. When when I say that, and when people say that, some people it go over their head, but I'm gonna say it and I'll break it down for you. You guys keep running, you guys keep trying to get their approval. Understand this, they already steal from us. So you might as well build something and let them come to you. Now, when I say this. We like black businesses can flourish left to right. You look at again prime example, support black college. They can make it to the point where they might reach your local TJ Maxx, your local departments, like any local department store. Cause again, if you ever been in a Ross and a TJ Maxx, they don't even sell HBCU apparel in the first place. They really don't. That's crazy. 
That's that could bring money in, but they don't even do that for them. That can be the start right there. That can pave the way for them. But look at all this business going on. You got you got black like we talking about black designers that start from the bottom. These can be your next people that could be on the runway competing against Ralph like Polo, Ralph Lauren. These can be your next Calvin Klein's. These can be your next Elizabeth Taylor's. All them all them big fancy designers. These can be your next people. And they can flourish behind that. We're not even talking about just in fashion. We can talk about in food. You can like if you if you started you started a business of a, a, a chicken wing spot, you could a, a burger spot. This can be your next McDonald's. This right. can be your this can be your next Popeyes chicken. You never know. You never know. Even in sports, I'm gonna say this right now because I know I'm a big sports guy. The NCAA is a business. Oh, it's it is. Money. It's a business at the end of the day. So you put it to you like this. All my athletes out here, listen up, and I'm going to tell you. You always hear, keep, and I campaign for it. If I can get a shirt made about it, I'm going to get a shirt, goddammit. I'm going to say just like this. The NCAA is a business. I'm tired of people saying, I'm tired of people saying, well, going to going to black school, like like going to black like HBCUs are, are, are owned by white folks. But understand this, your grandparents, your ancestors, they couldn't always get in the Duke. They couldn't always get in the Merton. They had to go to the Howards, the Bowie States, the Gramblings, and so on and so forth. But understand this. I'm tired of y'all making excuses. And I was watching a podcast earlier, just like the new generation do need to learn how to sacrifice a little bit more. Yeah. Which is true. They do need to learn how to sacrifice a little bit more because they think they think like, okay. I'm doing this, and I said this on the last episode. I'm gonna keep campaigning about. It. They said it, like they said it, and I see a lot of people say it's like they scared to take that jump because they think they're not gonna get nothing out of it. Understand this: our black business is not gonna just flourish overnight. It's gonna take. It's gonna take us five years. It's gonna take us ten years. It's gonna take us fifteen years. Understanding NCAA is a business. If you guys all say, you know what, to hell with Duke, I'm gonna go to Howard. To hell, to hell with North Carolina, I'm going to take my talents down to Grambling. I guarantee you. you Because y'all worry about bringing the scouts to y'all. No, y'all worry about running to the scouts and running to the exposure. Well, Howard don't, it's not on TV. I guarantee you, if you build a legacy just like Duke and Howard, the, the networks ain't got no choice but to come to you. Since they want to come to you for your physical abilities, best in believe. You start running away from them, they're going to chase right behind you. You stay away from You start building like, you know what? We're going to go win some championships over here. They're going to be like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Y'all get, yo, hold y'all. Y'all can't do that. And best believe, because it's so corporate, because it's such a business, you already know the NCAA going to find some way to shut that down in the first place. Because all they're going to think is like, it's some type of violation. I'll go to top guys going to these, these black schools and not these white schools. They probably paying them under the table or something. They're going to try to figure out some little thing. Don't worry about it. Everything is legal over here. So, understand this, guys. Black businesses, we got, we going to have to rise. We're going to have to rise up. You know, PG County is one of the blackest, one of the most wealthiest, blackest counties in ever. I didn't grow up on the wealthiest side, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't grow up on the wealthiest side. I, I grew up in a spot where they tell you to just keep driving through. But understand this, we can build this city up right here, and you can have black businesses all around here. You can keep the whole neighborhood black. 
You can build black families, all that stuff around here, just all black businesses by itself. You can keep the corporate business like like Walmart and Target. That stuff is fine. But when you start having black-owned businesses, and you can build that legacy, like I was saying in D.C., with the Big Mo's barbershop on the corner. That, like, Big Mo's passed the Little Mo's, Little Mo's Jr. now running shop. That stuff can happen. We need to stop. We need to stop worrying about we, what we need to really focus on. And I don't mean to run up the time. We need to focus on generational wealth. We need to make sure the neighborhood, to make the neighborhood, it's 2020. We supposed to make sure the neighborhood is good in 2060. In, tw- in 2090, I'll probably be gone by then, but I'm going to be in heaven looking down like this is <laughs> the way for. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the one who holds the money holds the power, and the one who holds the power has the money. When it comes to American ho- culture, it's Black people. We hold everything comes from us, from the music, the entertainment, uh, everything you have. If we were to say, "Hey, I don't want to dance, I don't want to act, I don't want to do anything anymore," there's going to be a severe decline in entertainment, a severe decline in entertainment, because they're like, "Oh, where do we get our things from?" So there's so much talent, there's so much black excellence, and I was looking up this uh, person, Hanifa who is a Congolese uh, fashion brand by designer Anifa. And her line is called Pink Label Congo. And what she did was she did a virtual fashion show with nothing but 3D models. And you can look it up. What she did was she made the bodies, right? There's no person in there. So you just see, you're just focusing on the clothing. It was so ingenious and it was so innovative and it just shows the talent that we have as Black people. So many great inventions come from Black people. And it goes back to the Kanye line where he said, Black people, when it comes to us, they made us hate ourselves and love their wealth and a white man get rich off of all of that. So mm-hmm. with that line, you know, when you love yourself, when you love yourself, you're able to say, hey, I love me, so I love you too. Let's spread the love. And we spread the love, we spread it economically, emotionally, physically. And it goes back to Black Wall Street, which was economical, and the Harlem Renaissance and the Black Renaissance, which was a culture shift. So you combine those two things, we on and popping. But like you said, the problem isn't getting on the problem. We're good at that. It's keeping it going. Mm-hmm. So my whole question, my question is you. I want to I want to say this question before we go. I want to say, do you think as a black person, right, if you had to survive 90 days or like 90 days or like 100 days on nothing but black businesses, do you think you can do it? Because I yeah. know Killer Mike did it. Yeah. Okay. I really like if I put it like I put it like this. I can do that. I can do that. And for everybody that's watching this podcast right now, or for everybody that's you know everybody's watching, you drop your black business in the comments below. Do fashion, it. like fashion, food. It don't make me no never mind. If you want, like I said, if you if you are a black business 
like entrepreneur right now. And if you come up with a shirt, drop the link in it right now. I guarantee you, I will order one. I will order one right now. Rocking on on the podcast episode and everything. I got you. I will show you as much love as possible. Trust me. Black business is a straight black business. Best and believe. Because here's what I already said. I understand this is where my sports thing come into play. I ain't got no beef watching Maryland on TV. And I seen this, I seen this on YouTube. And this and this, and I when when he said it, it, it made me, it made me really think. I don't have no beef watching watching Georgetown and Maryland on YouTube. But now that I if I if I had to choose between spending my money at a game, it's going into it's going into them them HBCUs pockets. A hundred percent. Yeah. But basically, uh, what I want to leave on is when it comes to black business, we definitely have a hill to climb. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that hill to climb starts with self-love. At the end of everything, it's self-love. Because when you let the government, when you let the media, when you let other people define who you are, you allow them to control you. But once you know who you are in yourself, you're able to say, hey, I make my own decisions. And I want to decide to spend my money where I choose to see fit. So that helps you, that helps the community around you, and that helps keep as much money into our pockets, the black community, as possible. And economically, that's more beneficial than you ever know. Right. And just like my man Lawrence Fishburne said in Boys in the Hood, we need to keep everything black. Black owned with black money. (laughs) (laughs) But nah, that's 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 all I got to say for that. You you wanna uh finish off or something? Nah, I'm I'm all good. I'm I'm all preached out, man. I'm 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 all blessed today, bro. Man, all, all I wanna say right now is shout out to our fans over in Germany. I see you. Much Keep love. Listening. Much, lurk, much, much love. Much love, folks overseas, man. Much love, Hope. man. International love, man. Hopefully when this this COVID thing blows over, hopefully we can we can probably do a show over there. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> one day when this COVID thing blows over. You know, but my thing and, and, and I'm glad he said it, but not even just Germany, just everybody that watches the Everybody, all of weekly, them. weekly. I'm talking about literally weekly. Everybody watches the podcast, everybody that tune in. Trust me, like he hears y'all feedbacks. I hear y'all feedbacks. Trust me, we blessed. We doing this for you guys every week, every day. Like promoting like race horses. I know I'm 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 heavy on social media, promoting it, promoting it. Trust and believe. We appreciate all you guys, man. That like we can't we can't do this without y'all, man. Yeah, there's I'm, no show without you guys. I'm telling you. But you know, I'm all preached out just like, <laughs> just I say, like I'm all pre I'm all preached out over here as well though, man. Nah, but uh black power all the way, all the man. And at the end of the day, all you need is love, black love. Let's let's do everything we can to make sure this movement is not all talk, but turn it into all action. It's your boy Aaron Fornicetti. Yo, it's truly Mr. Funk with Della Jones. And we are out of here. Peace. Black power is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) The answer.